Welcome to the 40... <laughs> Damn! Hello, welcome to the Age of Sigma Stat Center. I'm your host... Take two days off and apparently he doesn't know how to do streaming anymore. I'm your host, Rob, and welcome to the Stat Show for Age of Sigma. Looking at the event results from around the world this weekend. We do this every Monday, midday, on Twitch, live. And I'm joined by... The Twitch chat, the wonderful people, Nemesor Zantrek, Charles the Dead Lizard, Smorgan, Shadow Sun, uh, what up, Sumpworks, hello everyone, uh, hope you're all well. Now, we've got some cool events to talk about from the weekend, uh, and some uh, upcoming events, uh, and a little bit of a breakdown of some 4-1 brackets, so I think it's quite an interesting show today. Uh, not necessarily due to the results, but maybe because of what we're starting to see in the ge general trends for results uh, popping through here. Um, uh, hello, Wolfen Studios, Pragmatic. I hope you're all well. Uh, so let's just dive straight in. Owen can't be here today. He's, he's very busy, uh, unfortunately. So just just me on the show uh, today for the Stat Center. But I hope I can bring you the hot gossip uh, as we go through it. I've got some links for you. If you go into thehonestwargamer.com, you'll be able to see uh, some of the first place lists already placed up there for you guys if you guys want to go and grab those. Uh, hey, Captain Andrew. Uh, hope you're well. Uh, what's going on, GLPLC? Right, okay. So let's look at some of the information from this weekend. So the first thing to talk about is obviously the AOS Worlds. Now, this was an Age of Sigmar 2 event, so it doesn't affect our stats, but it is an event um, that we should talk about, definitely, because it had 12 teams uh, playing in Italy, which was quite cool. It was all covered in French. I don't think we got any table coverage per se. Uh, there was a, a roving camera, which is really good. But shout out to French Wargame, uh, who uh, the channel who did a lot of coverage, which is excellent. Uh, so well done to those guys. Uh, yeah, so you had 12 teams play. There's also a singles event as well, but it was all Age of Sigmar 2. So I don't think there's really much to say about it in reference to the game as we understand it right now. But... Um, it looked like it was a really cool event, and there's obviously uh, Age of Sigmar 3 Worlds, uh, Age of Sigmar Worlds event next year under 3rd um, edition, so that's something that's far more relevant to what we uh, uh, like talking about. Hi Plus. hope you're well. Hey is where is my raccoon, hope you're all good. And it was won, the event was won by Denmark. Uh, Denmark came in first place, um, so they're the first AOS World Champions. Uh, so that was Morton, Christopher, Casper, another Casper, Alexander and Rune, uh, all who played. So massive love to all those guys. Congratulations. In second place was USA, uh, which uh, and also uh, France were in third place. Now, all of those are pretty dominant uh, nations, really, when it comes to it. Um, and uh, I'd be expecting when we go into AOS, uh, AOS Worlds next year um, for third edition, I'd be expecting to see the USA do particularly well. France has got a very strong... Uh, interestingly about the French wargaming community, they generally tend to operate in French, although we've seen them come to things like Blood Tithe before, which is an international team event and do particularly well. Uh, they sometimes have several ETC teams vying for competition. Uh, the French teams market is like uh, particularly vied for, um, and so it's a really exciting uh, community, so I'd like to see uh, more out of those in the future. Uh, uh, am I going next year? Yes, I'm pretty certain we're going next year for doing the co doing the coverage. Um, uh, so that'll be really good. Hey, MJ Pegasus, thanks for resubscribing. Also, how are you, baby? Uh, thanks for uh, hanging here. Um, uh, it's in Prague. I know it's in Prague. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Anyway, so that was the AOS Worlds, 12 teams. Uh, depending, I think the next one's in March next year in Prague. Hopefully, travel restrictions and things are still issues, uh, and they may continue to be issues. We don't really know how it, the land lies. Uh, thanks to 3D Hexes for donating £10 to the show. That's super fucking nice of you. Uh, lovely. Thanks, 3D Hexes. Thank you, man. 
Um, oh, it's in May. Okay, it's in May, not March. Apologies. All right, so that was AOS Worlds. That occurred over the weekend. Um, and again, Denmark. And there is an AOS Worlds Twitter account if you want to go follow it, and you should, uh, which would be cool. Um, now, for a better start to the week. Thank you, 3D Hexes. Appreciate your loads, man. Um, really, really appreciate it. Now, uh, there were two two-day events that I've seen around the world. Uh, there was Kent GT, and then there was also the Norse Hammer Open. Uh, so the Kent GT, obviously, uh, it's a brand new event, hasn't been run before. Uh, so I had 28 players, and TO was Russell Taylor, so shout out to Russell on that. Uh, now, the, f the first place winning list, uh, give me a second. You guys can go and grab it from the link here. Um, uh, uh, not yet, Captain Andrew, not yet. Uh, so the link is in the chat. Uh, so it was taken out by Steve Curtis. So he was the only person in the 5-0 bracket uh, with his Sons of Behemoth Taker Tribe list. And as, as I've just said, the, the um, uh, link is in the chat. And if we go look at the link, uh, one second, and we go through what's in the list, um, we'll be able to... Oh no, we'll be able to go and uh, have a quick look, see at this, uh, the list. So there we go. Uh, so as you can see, it's, uh, oh, so his grand strategy was Beastmaster, and this is going to be really, really useful for um, uh, for Sons of Behemoth armies. Let's just talk about the fact Steve Curtis is an excellent wargamer and an absolute lo a lovely human being. Organises uh, Bloodshed in the Shire, just a really top bloke, great on the tabletop, great in person, an all-round lovely guy. Um, and so, uh, you know, like as most Warhammer people are, but Steve particularly stands out in some ways, um, just because I don't think I've ever had a single, uh, like anything other than like overly positive things to say about Steve. So he's a wonderful dude. Um, and he's also, I think the first person to actually take, uh, Sons to a 5-0. I'm going to have to double check my information in a minute. It might be the second person, but he's done, uh, really, really well. Um, uh, and then, uh, so he's got in um in his list he's got the three the three gargants he's got the kraken eater the gatebreaker and the war stomper now they've all got artifacts because he's taken uh, the foot the uh, corporate battalions foot sloggers and bosses of the stomp and he's obviously gone for that magnificent upgrade uh so he's uh, he's got those three artifacts uh, on here and he's got the kraken kraken skin sandals sorry which is going to give him an extra rend on the stomps which is really good uh, the amulet of destiny on the gatebreaker mega gargant which is really strong obviously it's that five up dpr and then the war stomper has got the arcane tome making him a wizard and then meaning he can take flaming weapons so that means his flaming weapon attack uh so his uh his damage he's going to go up to damage three um on that and then he's got two no sorry three times one of those man crusher gargants now there isn't tons to say about um sons of behemoth lists ultimately because they they do what they do they don't play any differently to how they particularly play uh steve as you can see here he's made two of his mega gargants do more damage um and that would be you know he's playing into the weaknesses of maybe the war stomper and the kraken eater because they don't do generally as much damage as the gatebreaker and then the gatebreaker who's quite hard to bracket um, they've given him he's given him the amulet of destiny so that's gonna make him more survivable so he's basically put the output up on his army and the survivability out on his already existing output and he's got those three one man crushes i don't know what to say about sons of behemoth lists ultimately when we talk about like competitive age of sigmar they move forward they stand on objectives and they fight you and you really got to ask yourself can you fight them back um and uh and it's as simple as that. And uh, Steve's obviously done a, a really good job. His path to victory was he beat Craig Navmar, I think, in round two. I think in uh, round one, I think he beat Pete. 
uh, from the Essex Moor tribes. Um, in second, he'd be a legion of the first prince list, which is Craig Navmar. Um, and Craig's uh, always been a solid Warhammer player. Simon Frowley with his Mega Gargants in a Gargant off, um, which is quite interesting, I think, ultimately. I'd be interested to know... This is some really weird stats, and I don't think I'll be able to get this for a long time. But I'm pretty certain a Gargant off comes down to first turn. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it comes down to that three, turn three priority and lifting off an objective but it might come down to the third turn. Uh, and then you've got Darren Styles. Um, he beat him with his Seraphon, and then Benjamin Sava with his Nurgle. He beat him in last place. Interestingly, Steve, because they were using the differential system at the Kent GT, Steve scored three 20s out of five. So he, he managed to beat his opponent by uh, enough points to, for it to be a 20-0, which is pretty significant, ultimately. Um, and I think he should be really chuffed with that. Uh, so yeah, well done to Steve. Uh, and then, uh, so this was a 28-player event. Now, in the 4-1 bracket, uh, we had Jack Armstrong with his uh, Lumineth Realm Lords list. Um, and that was Techless, uh, Sentinel Spam, and Spell Portal, basically. Uh, which is a nice little um, like uh, lead into our uh, um, uh, Armacon event, which we're going to look at in a minute. Um, our Gargant's off. Who stands in one place better than the other? Now, to be fair, Pete, I think that that is, might ultimately be true. That's how you play... Um, that's how you play this version of Age of Sigma, right? You drop on the objectives and for Mega Gargans. They don't have any other playstyle. They've got no other. They've got no other models. I think it's fair. Um, anyway, thanks Drowning in Plastic for following us. Uh, so Jack Armstrong, uh, Lumeth Realm Lords, Sire, Techless, Sentinel Spam, and Spell Portal. It's a very strong list, and in fact, actually, I, in my opinion, the counter to Gargans. Not as in they do stop Gargans, as in you kind of have to write a list. Am I going to try and play Gargants or am I going to try and play against the Sentinel spam? Uh, and when we look at the meta breakdown maybe next week, probably you're going to have to somehow tech against both. Uh, but probably you should go after Mega Gargants more than uh, going after the Sentinel spam. Try and dodge that one. Um, now, uh, in, uh, also in the 4-1 bracket was our man Mr. Benjamin Sava with his Nurgle. He had Munificent Wanderers, uh, and this was Demon Heavy uh, with 60 Plague Bearers in his list. Uh, he also had uh, uh, one of the uh, Magoth Lords in his list as well, which I think was quite exciting. Um, and interesting to see, we're pretty certain that the first Chaos book is going to be Nurgle, um, and so see if these lists change up. But at a minute, it seems like a lot of people, we saw Andy Hughes do really well here at the TSN Arena recently, um, it seems like Sloppy Barpiper just seems to have such a positive impact. That update coming from Broken Realms having such a huge impact into those Nurgle lists. Um, just really, really good. Uh, you saw that Denmark One Worlds, that's my country. I did. I already mentioned it, Queekster, if that helps you out. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that he did really well there. Uh, and he only lost to Steve in the final by two points. It was an 11-9 win on the differential. So a very close match. Uh, between those two. Um, and then uh, Russell Taylor with his Daughters of Cain, Hagnar, and then also Darren Stars with his Seraphon list uh, with Draco Tail, Croak, um, Slan, uh, he had a Trog, and uh, Skinks, and then four Sallies. So this was Darren Stiles in fourth place. Uh, sorry, not in fourth place, in the 4-1 bracket. So again, a really nice mix there, if you look at it. First place is Sons of Behemoth, 4-1 bracket, Lumineth, Realm Lords, Nurgle, Seraphon, and Daughters of Cain. However, this is an interesting point, not to like be too clickbaity, but when we actually look at some information in a moment, it looks very diverse, but that diversity pretty much stays and maintains like that quite often. We'll look at that in a moment, and, and I'll get to what I mean. Uh, now, the Norse Hammer Open uh, was in Rogaland. Uh, it had 42 players. Uh, Rogaland is in Norway, uh, I found out. 
which was quite cool. 42 players. Uh, and then the in the 5-0 bracket, in the 5-0 bracket, we only had uh, one player. And I put the link in the chat for you guys. And that's Olgunna Vatland. Um, now, his list was Lumineth Realm Lords, Zytrek. And he had 60 Sentinels. Uh, in his list, he had, uh, I think he had 210 Wardens, uh, we saw a Wind Mage, and we saw the Cathalar as well, and it was in Zytrek. Um, but yeah, 60 Wardens in his list with, uh, sorry, 60 Sentinels in his list in three blocks of 20. Uh, he also had Life Swarm and Cogs. Um, <laughs> hey, the list is what the list is. Let's go look at it uh, for you guys uh, in the chat. Give me a moment to go grab the list. Uh, oh no, I didn't grab the list, did I? Sorry, boys. Just give me a second. I thought I'd prep the list on the show, but here I am being a bad streamer. Um, we'll get that. We'll get that at some point. Uh, oh, there we go. There we go. Let's go grab this list. So just to go through the list in detail for you guys. Um, uh, so he had the Cathalar, uh, who was the general. He had a Law Seeker. He had a Wind Mage. Uh, and then he had the two lots of 10 Wardens, and then he had lots of the 320s of Sentinels, and a cheeky unit of five Stone Guard uh, with Cogs and Life Swarm. That's what was in the list. Uh, and no real surprises um, about the Sentinels doing some really, um, really solid work, ultimately. Uh, the, the list is on TikTok, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know what uh, you can say about that. Uh, if you tuned in for the first time to listen to the Stat Center, Sentinel Spam, the the um, uh, the Stone Guard are a nice little pick for holding an objective with Sentinel Spam basically taking out any synergy you may have in your army, reducing... Um, Wo uh, sorry, reducing the wounds down on monsters and bracketing them, half killing a unit if that's what you need to do. I think ultimately that the reason that the Sentinel Spam is so solid is because it really reduces the synergy you have in your army. I think the hard counter potentially is Gargants um, because you do have to push the Gargants off the objectives and the Sentinels aren't actually that good at it. So there's a kind of nice uh, duality at the moment in, in Age of Sigmar between those two lists and how they impact uh, competitive play. Um, that's, there's not really much else to say about it. Ten Wardens are fine, and Life Swarm's pretty great. Uh, but it's got such board control, even just using um, uh, like the ability to make you have to spend two CP. It's such a strong ability um, that yeah, it's just gonna it's just it's just a very strong list basically, and it's gonna do really really well. Um, but well done to uh, Olgunna Vatland on that. He should be really proud of that particular uh, placing. So that's five zero at a forty two uh, man event. So almost twice the size of um, uh, our Ken GT. Uh, and those are the only two days over the weekend, uh, which I think is quite interesting. Now, in the 4-1 bracket, we had Lassie Kalberg with his Daughters of Cain. Uh, and this was uh, a bit more of a classic 4-1 um, Daughters of Cain list. Well, just a, a competitive Daughters of Cain list in Marathi, Bow Snakes, and some Shadow Stonkers. We had 15 Bow Snakes. In, uh, an, in, an, also in the 4-1 bracket was Thomas Berg, again with Daughters of Cain, but he had Marathi and he had, but now he mixed it up and he took two units of 10 Blood Sisters. He also had 10 Witch Elves as well, but those are the fighty combat snakes. So he's going to be able to use those to pile in an attack again in the hero phase. Uh, so I think that that's, um, I think that that's a really strong uh, build as well. Um, I think it doesn't do as well as the Bow Snakes, but Thomas Berg smashed it there with a 4-1 result and he should be really happy. Uh, also in the 4-1 bracket was Thomas Nyland uh, with his Fire Slayers. He has Hermdar, so his sub-faction was Hermdar, uh, and then because 
And then you already know where the list is going from that point. Two times unit of 15 Hearthguard Berserkers. Uh, so very fighty. Gotrek was also in the list as well. Also, um, a, a cast of characters, but specifically two Battlesmiths for the pluses to save, I think are pretty important. Um, and so that really gives you three places uh, to uh, drop a lot of damage, ultimately, in combat. Now, that's one of those lists that might not do well into Sentinel spam, uh, because the Mortal Wounds can take out some of those key characters. But ultimately, if you're doing that, you're not hitting the Hearthguard Berserkers, and those Hearthguard Berserkers can fight super well. Thank you to Seymour Butts for donating £10 to the show. Huge love to you. Uh, that's very exciting. Uh, Ron, what do you think is going to happen with Zinch after Archeon and Cogs changes? Assuming this weekend was probably pre-FEQ state. What do I think is going to happen with Zinch after Archeon and Cogs changes? I think Zinch doesn't get as strong with a summoning, but I still think Archeon's as strong as he was before. Ultimately pragmatic. Um, uh, I think like the sixes to hit don't... like Obviously, it doesn't help him... To, like That helped him loads, but he's already minus one to hit. Like I think... I think it's fine. I think he's as good. Uh, I think Zinch isn't as good. Um, and then the whole army has been hit because of the cogs change, but it needed to happen. Um, and they still cast a lot of spells. They can still summon quite a bit. They don't need any more, right? Uh, I, th I still think it's really strong, basically. Um, also in this 4-1 bracket, uh, again, uh, at Armacon, which is the Norse Hammer Open, uh, we had Benjamin Flutter, and this is a shout-out to Benjamin, because he did something a little bit different we haven't seen before. He's brought the, the Futh one, an Ideneth Deep King list, but Futh one. It was a really nice mixed army of stuff. He had four Alapexes. They were all in ones, so four ones Alapexes. An Eidolon, a Leviadon, uh, and he also had a unit of Aether Wings, and his battle line was three units of ten Reavers. So he just had loads of options for where he wanted to place units. It was very fast. He has those monsters to do um, battle tactics with as well. Um, and then his primary game seems to be pretty good. And again, that kind of feeds into the story I was talking about last week for those min battle line units um, uh, doing, doing really quite nicely. Really nice mix of stuff. Um, hey, 19D Scout. I hope you're well. Thank you. Uh, and then... Uh, Stein Garda with his Soulblight Gravelords uh, list also went 4-1. And again, huge fan of Soulblight Gravelords, especially playing into the 4-1 bracket. They're such a good army for this. And this list is really good. Uh, so it's uh, it was Castelli Dynasty, and it was a Vampire Lord and Zombie Dragon who was the general. Vordry, a Coven Throne, 3 times 10 Direwolves, a Necromancer, uh, and also a Blood Knight. So he's got those Pile and Attack again. Um, if he wants from the Necromancer, uh, the Vampire and Zombie Dragon of Vordry just go slap. The command ability from the Coven Throne doing incredible work. Really, really solid list. Um, loads of options, basically, uh, from that. And uh, also a lot of resin. You're trying to deal with Vordry. You're trying to deal with the Vampire and Zombie Dragon, which means the Dire Wolves uh, and even the Blood Knights go just take objectives, hold objectives, and you've got to really deal with these incredibly mobile monster-based threats. And again, those monsters just for achieving those battle tactics. Uh, and then um, uh, Dagfin Casperson with his Sons of Behemoth list. Uh, and it's slightly different, this Sons of Behemoth list. Kragnos, a Kraken Eater, a War Stomper, and two times one minis. Um, so that was the 4-1 the, uh, the bracket uh, there from... Uh, Norse Hammer, which looked like it was a really fun event. Those guys look like they're always having just a really, really solid time. Right, okay. Let's look at something now. Uh, let me just uh, grab this. This is, I think, quite interesting. I'll see what you guys think about this. So I put some information together for you guys. Uh, we're still putting our like our deep dive stats um, together at the moment, so that won't be available till next week. But, um, oh, Pragmatic, thanks for donating £10 to the show, buddy. Oh, bud, thanks. 
Uh, I hope you're well. So here's some information for you guys, which I think uh, we can learn quite a bit about. And this is uh, our five plus wins uh, category at two day events. So this is obviously at two day events and not anything else, right? Um, and I've kind of broken them up. Everything that isn't on the screen, uh, and for the podcast guys, I'll describe it in a minute. Um, basically had one win or no wins. And it's really early into the edition, so this could move around. But I think there's a clear like uh, divide here, which actually becomes even more relevant when we start looking at the 4-1 bracket. So kind of like having in mind what you're seeing in this 5-1 bracket, and then when we switch over to the 4-plus the bracket, yeah, you're going to be fairly impressed. So Disciples of Zinch, um, uh, Disciples of Zinch, Slaves to Darkness, and Lumineth Realm Lords have all, at different events across across the world, uh, have managed to get three 5-plus wins. Right, that's what we've seen so far. So, disciples of each slaves to darkness and Lumineth realm lords, uh, and then in the two win category, or sorry, in the placed twice in five plus wins, yeah, soul black grave lords, cities of sigma, seraphon, sons of behemoth, sylvaneth, and caradron overlords. Right now, the really interesting part, in my opinion, about this is what we're seeing from those particular like results. Specifically, disciples of each slaves to darkness were almost always Archeon. Right, so Archeon's actually just, it's just Archeon, but different uh, builds there. And the Lumineth Realm Lords is the Sentinel spam. They feel like very strong lists that do pretty well all the time, right? Um, and I would say it's not Slaves to Darkness performing well. I think it is just Archeon performing well. And the same with Disciples of Zinch. Now, with the Archeon nerf change, you decide how you feel about it. Specifically to the uh, Eye of Shireen, which was previously rerolled successful sixes to hit and has changed to a once per battle ability to make you minus one to hit. Archeon players have got like a choice now on exactly how they want to play. And um, maybe they're not maybe they're not going to play Disciples Inch. Maybe they're not going to play Safe Starts anymore. We'll see. But we know that Disciples Inch have taken a hit. Now, Luminous Realm Lords, I don't think have taken any particular hit at all. Um... And Archeon and Bellacor, yes, Morgan, can be played in both factions, as can Fate Weaver. Fate Weaver, probably one of the most important, if not the most important unit in Age of Sigma right now to stop and also help with battle tactics. Battle tactics are something, I'm sure you guys know, that you choose at the start of your turn and you have to complete by the end. But if I have the ability to make you not do something, even something as simple as you've got to do a three-inch charge, you roll one, one, and a six, Kairos can change that other six down to a one, you could fail the charge. That unit would have wiped out that other unit, and that would have been what you needed to achieve that battle tactic. Whatever it might be, I reckon Kairos's uh, ability uh, to turn a dice roll is probably, probably the most effective way to score yourself some additional victory points in Age of Sigma or stop your opponent. I think actually stopping your opponent feels more of a big deal than actually scoring them yourself. But we'll see like how that turns out in the future. Um, uh, Cogs are a big hit for Lumineth. Uh, every list had them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I, I agree with that, but I, we'll see. We'll see how that changes. Now, I've been talking a lot about the 5-0 bracket, but also about the 4-0 bracket. So uh, Lumineth, Realm Lords, Sentinel Spam is really good. Wardens are really good. Uh, the Wind Mages um, uh, are also obviously really solid, as are the Hurricane Temple parts, Helon, the uh, the the Foxes. We've seen all of them do pretty well. Uh, Soulblight Gravelords list are varied, um, uh, but Nagash is featured pretty heavily. Sigmar's lists are varied generally. Uh, Seraphon lists pretty much uh, 
changing around as well, but um, they're, they're all very different. It's either Thunder Lizard or we're seeing a lot of Salamanders. Sons of Behemothlists are all the same. Uh, I'm sure they'll say they're different, but it, I'm sure it feels the same. Silver Death having two five-plus wins is crazy, uh, but they should be really chuffed with that. And then Caradron Overlords having two as well. Where this changes up, I think, is the four-plus category. Let me just make sure I go click it for you guys. Uh, is the four-plus category. Now, this is actually pretty stark, right, when we start looking at this particular category. Uh, because the ones you see on the screen, which is Sons of Behemoth, Daughters of Cain, Seraphon, Lumineth, Realm Lords, Soulblight, Gravelords, and Disciples as each, are people who are already read out in the 5-0 category. However, however, every army underneath this has only placed, so this is one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, yeah, six factions have placed quite consistently in the four plus wins category however however every other army has only placed in the four plus category four or less times yeah it is a pretty clear like uh divide between this these six factions and any faction below it like very significant uh disciples each being the lowest with nine placings in the four one category uh not forgetting they also placed in the five oh quite nicely um, below them, the low, the next highest one is four placings in four plus category, um, uh, uh, and uh, and then so but then above it, uh, if you look, Sons of Behemoth though are comfortably the easiest army to go four one with seventeen placings in the four one bracket. 17 times uh with the second place being daughters of cain 13 marathi and the bow snakes featuring pretty heavily in that build uh seraphon with 11 again uh, a bunch of different builds that's the most interesting thing about think about seraphon at the moment is you can build thunder lizard lists you can build yourself um uh you can build yourself uh like salamander lists you've got so many options with those seraphon lists ultimately um uh Lumineth realm lords is um 11 uh, so they've got 11. So they're equal with Seraphon in those 4-1 placings. And again, everything we talked about, I think it's the Fox Spirits, the Sentinel Spam, uh, all really, really solid. Soulblight Gravelords, I talked about it months ago. I told you guys that you're going to be looking out for Soulblight Gravelords in this 4-1 bracket. And there they are. So many tools, such good units for grabbing objectives, holding objectives, and s producing battle tactics. And then Disciples as each. Um... Uh, disciples each with nine plus. So, uh, what about Croxagolis? No, I'm afraid not. Uh, <laughs> so that's actually quite interesting. And uh, as is being talked about in the chat, having six armies at the top of the meta feels very healthy. Feels healthy enough, unless you're not one of the players playing those armies, right? In which case, you can feel like maybe you feel a bit hard done by. But the other armies um, below this, uh, they don't place quite as highly. And it kind of really stands out when someone does do quite well uh, with one of those other armies. I think the point here um, is to point out that uh, both Sons of Behemoth, uh, Sons of Behemoth specifically, is such a roller coaster of popular like play at the minute. It's on a, it's on a huge wave of popularity in the meta. Loads of people are playing uh, Sons of Behemoth. And also... Uh, most importantly, it consistently performs very, very well. It's got one of the highest win percentages, and it gets into that 4-1 bracket and the 5-0 bracket very, very, very consistently, right? And uh, and I think that's that's something to be said. Uh, 
Uh, and Lord Wilco says, all recent books, surprisingly, Sinesh were the exception that proves the rule. Agreed. Uh, so, yeah, all uh, all new books, ultimately, uh, as well, which I think is a really another good point. Uh, Thunderflux, I have a bunch of Wood Elf models units. Can I make a decent army with them? Live in cities? Yes, man. You can make a living, uh, live in city army if you want, or just use them in one of the other cities. Like, there's loads of options, but 100%. Um, uh, Sun, since Sons of Behemoth are awesome. Since 3D Hex is strong, easy to play, easy to build, easy to paint, easy to transport. Yeah. Uh, they're very, they're all of those things. Um, whether or not, whether or not we think that has an overall impact on the meta, um, uh, we'll have to like kind of break that down on another show. But I think it's quite interesting and you do have to ask yourselves right now. So I think people are going to see those results and they're going to be like, you know what, I can paint up four fat lads. That seems pretty easy. And a 4-1 seems pretty good. Um, like... You know, that does seem quite nice. Not forgetting that they obviously also got a couple of five ones as well. Uh, Steve, just from this weekend, uh, being one of them. So you really got to ask yourself how you're going to deal with Mega Gargans. How are you going to deal with those Gatebreakers? Because you have to, what you have to do, or the way that they play, again, just to reiterate, is they move forward. They stand on an objective for the whole game. Really, your job is to ask yourself is how do I lift that those wounds off the objective in one go so i can start scoring the primary that has to be the question you have to ask yourself um which i think is quite an interesting one anyway so that's kind of the aggregates of the uh, the 5041 brackets and i think that there's loads of information in there and i'd love to know what you guys think about it uh in the future um but yeah if you've got some comments tweet me leave me some messages below any of that stuff right just fire over to some one day events uh, we had welcome to gur which was a 30 player event uh sons of behemoth ogremore tribe stormcast eternals and ogremore tribes all went three and oh a big one day event uh 30 players welcome to gur mitch bradshaw graham cox jeff painter and lucas johnson all in there and again sons of behemoth and ogremore tribes featuring doing really well uh mr wilkins uh ran his first event in pool uh returned to dominion uh which was 18 players and andy burgess went 3-0 with his mega gargans so he was the only one to go 3-0 and um andy's a lovely guy and obviously one of legio 9 one of the teams that featured in the t-sports network super series uh so yeah uh so but yeah like so he should feel really happy about that but again if we look at two 3-0 events mega gargans going 3-0 and uh sorry Two one-day events, Mega Gargants going 3-0 again. Pretty, pretty, pretty seriously. Um, I, I don't think that they're a problem piece. I think it's a, uh, we have to adjust the meta piece. Uh, uh, with the preview of the Stormcast Eternals book, i.e. models count as three, do you think impact anything significantly? Honestly, it's too early to just, it's too early to tell don't know the points cost of any of the models yet don't know the allegiance abilities so i'll wait until the previews come out this weekend but we will find out this weekend which is quite exciting um we will see how that changes up uh, if anything stormcast don't do particularly well at the moment um and so seeing more and there's a lot of stormcast armies out there in the world so seeing more stormcast on the tabletop is uh, going to change up the meta quite significantly maybe they'll be the answer to gargants maybe uh the answer to gargants will be inside the ogre more tribes book uh, not Ogremore Tribes, so the Uruk Warclans book. So we'll have to see what that book does. Um, or whether or not some of those Mega Gargant players being Destruction players are going to switch over to playing Uruks as well. We could see a big change. Um, uh, Shiltog says, I like what the Gargants add to the meta. You have to build to kill them, but they're not MPE. So there you go. Shiltog's like, giving you the kind of breakdown on his thoughts. And I think that's one of those things. You do have to ask yourself, how do I kill a Mega Gargant? And you really have to kill one in a turn. Because they're going to hold three objectives 
probably. Um, and so they're going to be scoring the primary way ahead of you, which means they could be scoring three points in a turn and you're only scoring on the primary and you might only be scoring one. That's going to give them a two-point difference. Most games generally tend to average points around 22-24 at the moment. Uh, and so that two-point swing is actually pretty huge. So you do have to ask yourself how you can kill them. Um, uh, so yeah, that's, and uh, yeah, like Yarrickson says, previews for both factions have shown abilities that target wounds characteristic. So maybe uh, the answers to them will be in these new books. Um, right, okay, uh, that's the one-day events. Now the other thing that's been happening at the moment, let me just get this up and uh, show you guys. So there's an event called GCon Online. So I'm just going to bring the information up for you guys on this. Give me a second. Um, right, so... I'm going to read this out because I think this is quite an interesting thing. In Australia, the guys are still locked down. Uh, hey, guy, hope you're well. Um, in Australia, everyone's still locked down, so they're not able to get out and do stuff, all right, which is obviously a bit of a shame. So um, they've uh, decided uh, to run this pretty cool event, uh, which I think is quite interesting. So we should talk about this uh, right now. So this is from John, John McKinley. Um, so this is GCon. So I'll read out what's been going on. I think it's quite cool. And there's a really nice graphic there. Um, we're doing a bit more lockdown here in Australia and putting on a 32-player, five-week, five-game TTS uh, um, event called GCon Online. This is super cool. Everyone has signed up already, and we've got a great turnout. Uh, link for the lists uh, are on tabletop.to. So if you want to do tabletop.to.com, I'm going to include all these links in the show notes for you guys. As part of list submissions, players told me the most games that they had ever won at a tournament, number 0 to 5. This became their generalship score. Then, with help from the in, uh, inestimable Smorgan, who's lovely, uh, we rated each player's list from 1 to 5. Results are attached below. I think the results provide extra points of interest in various ways. Um, and so, uh, it's fun to see the boogeyman of these five-star generals. If, the, if I see an underdog match, I'll be rooting for them. If I see a one-star general are going for their second win, I'll be stoked that they have beat their personal best. Right? There's been some pushback from some people in the community saying it will make low-score generals feel bad and is overly competitive. However, no one from the actual tournament has said this, which I think is cool. Lastly, I'd like to use more solid stats to determine the results. So as you can see, um, there's some super fun uh, like stuff in here. For instance, you've got Joel Graham. Uh, there with his Uruks. His army has been rated a four star. Uh, however, he, he as a general has been rated a five star. Whereas Cedric Schneider uh, has got a general star of one uh, and an army star of one. So everything's rated out of five, which I think is quite cool. Um, and then uh, I'm trying to find one of the stronger armies. Uh, uh, bum, bum, bum. Interesting. Uh, Doors of Cain only got. Okay. Um, Anyway, I didn't see any. What are the five-star armies? Are there any five-star armies? What are the five-star armies? None. None. What? Zinch isn't a five-star army. Anyway, the... Uh, shame, uh, uh, is it a gatekeeper if it's actually winning loads? I don't know. Uh, is it a gatekeeper if it's actually winning loads? I don't think it is a gatekeeper army uh, because it's winning and for wanting pretty consistently, um, I'm going to say. Uh, angle. So I think, uh, you're talking about Sons of Behemoth, I think it's really good. Um, but I'm rooting for the Beast player is the point. I really like this, is what I'm going to say. I think GCon uh, Online have done something really cool. 
uh, they've effectively given the player a rating in their head, uh, or they've given the player a rating, they've given an army rating. And this is quite fun if you're doing coverage. You could say, hey, look, this, this guy is like a, a top-performing general versus... Uh, another top performing general, but their armies are pretty imbalanced. It's something I try to do with the coverage uh, when we talk about it or when we do the stat center, but this is a really nice way of like visually representing. If you guys on the uh, podcast, um, there's, a, there's a graphic, which I'll try and uh, include in the show notes as well, which I think is really cool. Um, uh, and I think, uh, I think that's a, a fun, fun little thing that they're doing at the moment, and I think that they should be quite excited about that. Uh, the meta's quite varied as well, uh, but Lumerath Lords being the most popular one, uh, and Soblight Gravelords in fourth place as well, um, with Sons of Behemoth only being one of the armies, so I think that's cool. But this is going on over the next five weeks, uh, so I'd be very excited to see. What do you guys think in the chat and also in the podcast, uh, well, not podcast notes, in the YouTube comments? I'd love to know what you guys think about having a player rating and an army rating, and that may be affecting your pairings. Um, generates conversation about the events and listen players. It's, I think it's really good. Thanks, Pedro. Fantastic and real poly geek for subscribing. Um, this is getting too close for cricket nerds for me to be so before. <laughs> That's fair. Yes, you can, guy. Yeah, help yourself. Um, uh, and then, so that, so yeah, really exciting. Looks really good. Really happy about that. We have some upcoming events. Um, uh, around the world there's Bruce City Brawl in Milwaukee this weekend and the Facehammer GT this weekend don't forget that's that event that uh, started introducing its own comp uh, which has been pretty significant um, talking point for the community so we'll see how that changes stuff on the 18th September uh, we've got the Iron Realms GT in Oklahoma and then on the 25th September live coverage from the uh, Honest Wargamer and the T-Sports Network is the Blood Tithe International Team Tournament so it'll be one of the largest tournaments that we've had already um in the like well one of the largest tournaments that we've had and um it's gonna be really exciting to see them play out uh basically so it's a team tournament uh four-man team format i'll be there doing coverage it's a very exciting time love seeing some team format uh we'll bring you all four tables live um and then we'll get to see the results uh there you know that i love a team tournament i love the feedback so i'm really looking forward to that um Sunday the 19th is a big RTD in Richmond, VA. I'll email you. Please do. Uh, that'd be good. Hey, Dan, um, I love team tournaments. I've got a team tournament coming up in one and a half months. Yeah, you've got it, Queekster. There we go. Ooh, baby. <laughs> uh, so, and there are more events coming as well. Uh, the the schedule is really starting to fill up, which is really, really exciting. Uh, looking forward to that. Um, I think by next week, we're probably going to have some like deep dive stats on a bunch of different bits of information. Um, and then uh, we could just we could just bury into that together, which would be fun. Um, thanks, Warhammer Bruce. Big love. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, and hopefully Owen will be back next week and we can hang out and it'll be more of a, a chit-chat. Uh, I'm sorry, sometimes it feels like me just talking at you guys, but I hope you've enjoyed the show uh, and I hope some of it's been relevant uh, and interesting. Has anyone got any questions before we go uh, based on stats and tournament results specifically? Um, a dude is organizing a one-day tournament here, as you know, not many events in the Middle East, but he chose uh, the event is going to be played on 72 inches AS2 because he's uh, oh, a bit sad about that. Would you go? Would I go to an event that's got old table sizes? Probably not. Probably not. It just. But then if it's the only event you've got like in your territory, guy, like because uh, guys over in Israel, then I would um, I would go like, you know, and just try and convince him to change it around later um, is what I'd do. Uh, yeah, I'd, I, I like if it's anyone in my area, I'd go. Otherwise, I'd just like just like let's tape it off and, and do that. That's the answer. 
Um, Tristan, love you. Hope you're well. David Adams. Anyone got any questions? If not, we're going to be back later for the Age of Sigmar Monday show with Nathan Prescott, Dan, and James. Yeah, it's going to be all the finger guns. Uh, it's going to be really, really good. So I'm looking forward to that. I hope you guys have enjoyed the Stat Center. If you guys got any thoughts or feelings on things we could do better, please do let us know. We're supported by everyone on the Lewis Wargamer Patreon, so literally couldn't do it without you guys. Thanks very much. Um, it takes me like the entire of Monday morning to like, put this together. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, and uh, thanks for being cool, and we'll see you guys soon. Have a really good day.